Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. Being with us. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, man, it's a, it's a great time. We're taking a pause. If your Bible naturally falls open to the book of Romans, like mine does uh, these days, uh, we're going to have to just uh, put a bookmark there until after the first of the year, we're going to jump back into Romans, uh, probably in February. We take a pause every once in a while for times like this, where we focus on recalibrating our heart uh, back to the mission of God. And then in December, obviously, we're going to be jumping into Christmas and celebrating the greatest gift, uh, the greatest birthday uh, this world has ever seen, and that is the birth of Jesus. We're excited for that. Uh, But as we kick off Missions Weeks, I thought it would be appropriate just to kind of recalibrate our heart back to really what God's heart is for you, uh, what God's heart is for me. And and one thing we talk about every week as a staff is, one, how how amazing you are, the central family, just a joy uh, really to serve you and to lock arms with you and to help you on your spiritual journey. And and we believe from cover to cover, God's given us an assignment uh, to help you become the people that he's created you to be. And, And from cover to cover, God lays out four things that he has for your life. And the first one is this, that you can know God. That like God, very God, the God who created the universe, he wants to know you. Uh, not, just know, not just for you to know stuff about him, but he wants you to know him personally, to interact with him daily, to, to have this personal and profound and powerful relationship with him. Like no matter where you are, you might be here today, you might say, I'm an atheist, I don't even believe in God. Well, hey, check it out. God believes in you and he wants you to know him. And you can know God today. And once you know God, here's what you're going to discover. He's going to give you the power to overcome some things that you never thought you could find freedom from. What we say around here at Central, you can grow in freedom. He's got freedom on the other side of your obedience to him. And here's the cool thing about God. Whatever next step, and we all have next steps to take. I have a next step for me to take. You you have a next step for you to take. Whenever you take a next step, your best next step towards Jesus, here's the beautiful thing about God. He's going to meet you at your next step. And the more steps you take, the more freedom you're going to find in your own life. God wants you to know him, wants you to grow in freedom. He wants you to to live out your purpose. Did you know this? God created you on purpose and with purpose. The Bible says this, that you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, good things that he prepared in advance for you to do. Like God, you might, have been, you might have surprised your parents, but you didn't surprise God. He planned for you to be born in 2023. He planned for you to live in Silicon Valley. That might be a surprise for some of us, but he planned it long in advance. So he wants you to know God. You can grow in freedom, show your purpose, and here's what your life was created to do. Here's, here's the thrust of your life. Here's the, the upshot of God's plan for your life, that you would make a difference in this world. Your life is meant to make a difference. That's why Missions Week is so important. Because we recalibrate our heart to God's global mission to make, a, make an impact in our world. The way we say it around here is, is you're created to go change the world. That's God's plan for your life. And so that's what we want to talk about today. How do we live out God's purpose, God's plan for our life? How do we make a difference? How do we live a life that goes and changes the world? And matter of fact, around here at Central, those four things frame up our measure of success. Every team meeting we're talking about, every annual review, we're saying, how did we do in these areas? God, would you give us favor? Would you give us wisdom? Would you give us help to be more effective in living on mission for you personally, but also collectively, God, would you help us? And ultimately, when you do those four things, you leave a legacy. And who doesn't want to leave a legacy? Like you're created to leave a legacy. And what's legacy? Legacy is what people remember once we're gone. Whenever I'm no longer here, what will they say about me? What will they say about you? Legacy is what people say at your 80th birthday party. Legacy is what people say at your funeral. Legacy is what they write in your 
obituary. And it's okay to want to leave a good legacy. I think God's all right with that. Psalms 112 verse 5 says this, good will come. In other words, God's favor will come. God will help. God will come alongside those who are, are generous and lend freely. They will be remembered. They're going to leave a legacy forever. Legacy isn't just what people remember about you when you're gone. Legacy is what God remembers about you when you're gone. Uh, legacy is what, what God remembers and what God ultimately rewards. Whenever you see him face to face, he's going to remember your legacy. He's going to remember what you've done. Hebrews 10.6 says this. It says, God is not unjust. Check it out. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Listen, as you've helped rescue kids and women out of sex slave trafficking through our partnership with them, he's going to remember it. And as you continue to help them and find freedom... He's going to continue to remember that as well. I, I don't know about you, but I want the yardstick of my life to always be something I've done in the past. I don't want to look to the past and say, man, I remember when I sacrificed and I remember when I served them. I remember when I heard the, the voice of God. Then I remember whenever I moved forward and was obedient to whatever he asked me to do, even if it cost me so much. I, I don't want the yardstick of my life. I don't want my legacy to my kids to be, my dad used to be great. My dad used to be a man of faith. No, today is your day. Today is my day. This is how we live out a legacy right here, right now. I mean, praise God for what he's done in the past, but he wants to do something in your life today. I don't know if you know this or not, but, but AIM was actually started out of, out of Central Christian Church. Moses was commissioned here. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And praise God for tapping a man on the shoulder sitting in the pew you're sitting in today. But God's still tapping people on the shoulder today. God's still calling people into the mission field today. And he might be calling you. And your legacy you live will hinge on your yes to whatever God asks you to do, whatever God asks me to do. The day, reality is the day's coming. We're all going to stand before God and we're going to give account for our life. And this isn't super exciting for some people to think about, but it's my job actually to get us to think about, about this. Part of my job is to get you ready uh, for that day. The day's, the day's coming. And, and we're going to see this over and over again, but uh, we're going to continue our study again in, in Romans 20, 20, 24. We're going to jump back in, but, but we're going to see in Romans, Romans chapter tw uh, 14, verse 10, he says, he says, you then, why do you judge your brother and sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? So there's this conflict in the church and Paul's calling them out. And he says, he says, hey, you need to squash that. You need to figure out how to get along with each other. Here's why. For we'll all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written. As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue will acknowledge God. Like there's coming a day when the great and the small, the rich and the poor, the affluent, those who, who don't even know what that word means, are going to stand before God and give an account for our, our lives. And we're going to, our knees going to bend. We're going to say, God, you really are the one true, true God. And so then, in light of that, each of us will give an account of ourselves to to God. And again, it's just, just part of my job to help you remember that. And here's the challenge with that. The gravitational pull of life for me, the gravitational pull of life for you is to, to focus right here, right now. And so it's important to just take some time in these missions weeks, especially just to lift up our head a little bit and say, what's the big picture here? What, what's my life all about? What kind of legacy am I, am I wanting to, to leave? James puts it this way, your life, it's like a vapor. It's here, it's gone. We had a memorial yesterday, and, and man, to, to review someone's life in a three-minute slideshow, it just goes so fast is what I'm saying. And one day, that's going to be me. One day, that's going to be you. 
And the way we live a legacy, the way we live life that makes a difference for eternity is we recalibrate our heart to that reality right now. If you're taking notes, write this down. There's more to my life than this life. We just need to know that. There's more to this life than our life right now. And here's the challenge. Again, the gravitational pulls right here, right now. Talk about the weather. We talk about stuff right here, right now. We talk about football. How are those 49ers doing? I mean, wow. How about those Kansas City Chiefs, baby? I mean, let's go. Monday night football. Did you hear about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift? Did you know that Travis Kelsey's parents and Taylor Swift's parents, they're going to meet for the first time tomorrow night on Monday night football. It's going to be amazing. And like all the Swifties and Chiefs fans go crazy. And that's what we talk about, right? We focus on stuff that's really important like that right here. Right now, all the while eternity is looming. Uh, there's this phrase, you've probably heard it, YOLO, um, you only live once. And according to ChatGBT, YOLO was coined by the rapper Drake. Uh, not Drake, my son, but Drake, the rapper. Um, YOLO. And here, here's what YOLO, here's why it originated. It originated to explain irresponsible decisions. In the, the, the rap music of, of Drake, he's basically saying, hey, okay, I know I shouldn't do this. I know I shouldn't smoke that. I know I shouldn't touch that. I know I shouldn't eat that. I know I shouldn't buy that. But YOLO, right? You only, you only live once. And the devil would love for you to believe that. He would love for you to think that all that matters in your life is right here, right now. But it's just not true. A, a better hashtag would be YOLT. Um, so you can coin that one if you want. YOLT, Y-O-L-T. Um, you only live twice. And you need to know that. Like what you do today is going to matter in your next life. The, the reason what we do today is important isn't because we only live once. It's important because we only live twice. And there's coming a day when you're going to stand before God, when I'm going to stand before God and give an account of our life. Here's some, some news to brighten your day. Hebrews 9.27, a man is destined to die once. And here's what's going to happen after you die. After that, we're going to face some judgment. We're going to be judged. How did we live our life? How did we steward this thing that we call, call life? And I don't know about you guys. I don't know if any of you like taking tests. Anybody just enjoy taking tests? And when I was in high school, like those were the days like I... I intentionally skipped class because I didn't want to take the test. In college, I actually enjoyed learning and, and gaining more knowledge. And I enjoyed tests that I knew what was going to be on the test. Like the professor said, hey, here's a study guide. Study this. Okay, I'm ready for the test. But I had one professor, and everyone has one professor. We're like, they're not going to help you get a good grade. We'd say his name was Dr. Pinko, or, uh, Pinkcomb. Uh, Dr. Pinkcomb, hey, uh, can we get a study guide? He would say this. He was a philosophy teacher. He'd say, well, students, every day is a study guide. Every day is a study guide. And he just delighted in watching us squirm in our seats as we wrote notes, like, like trying to figure out what would be on the test. Well, I want to help you because your day's coming, test day's coming, and I, I just want to tell you right now what's going to be on your test, okay? So if you're taking notes, uh, this is where they begin. Here's the first and the most important question that's going to be on your test. And by the way, you only get two questions, and so the margins are pretty slim for any mistakes. And if you, if you miss the first question, you're not even going to get the second question. Here's the first question, though. Here's the first question that God's going to ask you. What did you do with my son, Jesus? What did you do with my son, 
Jesus. And I don't know how this is going to work. Like, honestly, I don't know if it's going to be like, Tim Perkins, your test is here. Like, and I go in this private room and I get assessed. I don't know if it's going to work like that or if like instantly we'll all be there. And like God's just going to know if we know the answer or not. But, but the question is, what, what did you do with my son, Jesus? And there's this moment, the scholars, theologians call it the great white throne judgment. And it talks about in Revelation 20, Verse 11, this is going to happen to all of us, by the way. You say, well, I don't, I don't even believe in that. That doesn't matter. It's going to happen. And so I'm just saying, get ready for the test. Here it is. Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. This is God, very God, standing before God. And, and it's the uncreation of the world. He's going to make a new heaven, a new earth. It's going to be great. But everything that we know right now is going to be, is going to be undone. This is, this is what it's talking about there in verse 11. He says, then, then I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. Adam, Eve, everyone who's ever lived in every generation down to you and me standing before the throne and the books were open. Now the books, plural, it's important for us to know like, like there's multiple books and the Bible talks about how, how, how man will give an account on the day of judgment for everything that he's ever done. Jesus said this, on the day of judgment, men and women will give an account for every idle word they've ever spoken. Like it's documented in a book. Every sin any human being has ever committed, it's in the book. Every wrong thought, every wrong action, every time we stole, every time we cheated, every time we lied, every time we, we misspoke, every time we gossiped, every time we shaded the truth, it's, it's in the book. And some of us, we got a few books, like we've we got a long list of things that we're not super proud of right there. And so it's not going to be like this debate or I was a really good person. No, it's going to, it's going to, evidence is going to be overwhelming. And then he says, there's a, there's another book. So the books were open, but there's another book, one, one book, singular. And this is the, the book of life. Uh, and the book was open, which is, which is the book of life. And, and if you surrender your life to Jesus, if you know Jesus, your, your books begin to get erased. They're not begin, they're, they're erased instantaneously, actually. But your name's written in the book of life. And that's where you want your name, where your name to be. And to check this out, it says that the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So there's one book, the book of life, but then there's books, multiple books that give document all the basically mistakes we've made in, in life. And the courts of heaven will be open and people will be judged according to what they had done unless their name was written in the Lamb's book of life. And once your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, once you surrender your life to Jesus, you put your faith, your trust in him, you say, God, I'm, here's my life, I surrender to you. Your name's written in the, the book of life and, and your, your books are then disregarded. You say, where do you get that? Well, check it out. Colossians 2, 13 says, you were dead because of your sins, because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins, books erased. He canceled the record of charges against us. The record of charges that were documented in a book, like a ledger, like an accountant, keeping meticulous receipts, uh, keeping meticulous accounts. It's been erased. He canceled the record of charges against us. He took it away. How did he do it? Nailing it to the cross. That's why the cross is so important. That's why we celebrate the cross. That's why what Jesus did on the cross it's so vital for you and me. He took your, your sin, my sin, my shame. He lifted it off of your account and he laid it on, on Jesus. The weight of that, the horror of that, he endured for you, for me, 
So now our name can be written in the book, the Lamb's book of life. So a good question for all of us is, well, how do I get my name in that book? And here's the unfortunate news. Being a member at Central Christian Church won't get your name in that book. I wish it would. It would make my job so much easier, honestly. It's not your giving record. It's not your church attendance. It's not, hey, I was baptized on this day at this time. As important as that is, that's not going to get your name written in the book. Nothing you do, matter of fact, will get your name written into into that book. All those things, super important. The Bible has a lot to talk about all those things, but that's not what's going to get your name in the book. That's not what's going to help you pass the most important question you'll ever be able to answer. Only having a real relationship with Jesus will get your name written in the book. Only knowing Jesus will do that. Check it out. This passage honestly haunts me. Uh, I think about it a lot, and I, I pray this over you. When I think about this, I think of you. I think about my kids. I think about my life. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, and no, they, they say the right thing. You're the Lord. Like, Jesus, you're the king. They say, he says, not everyone who says that, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my father who's in heaven. So it's not just this cognitive understanding. It requires some action doing the will of the father in heaven. But check this out. He says, many, not just a few. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, again, they got the right answer. Did we not do some stuff? Like, so they didn't just know it. They actually tried to do some stuff for Jesus. Did we not prophesy in your name? Like, didn't we speak boldly on your behalf? Didn't we drive out demons for you in your name, Jesus? Didn't we do that? Did we perform miracles? And here's the verse that haunts me. Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. And he says, away from me, you evildoers. Everything hinges on this. I know you. God, I'm, I didn't get it right all the time. I've made some mistakes in my life, some things I'm not super proud of. But God, I'm just thankful I know you. I'm just thankful you rescued me. I'm thankful you've forgiven me. I'm thankful, even though I didn't prophesy the most profoundly, even though I didn't always drive out the demons, maybe the way you think I should. I'm I just grateful I know you. And here's my question to you. Do you know him? Not do you do stuff for him. You're here at Central Christian Church. Your heart's to know God. I know that. That's a beautiful thing. But, but do, you, do you know him personally? Has he spoken to you this week? Have you spoken to him this week? Because when test day comes, that's the only thing that matters. And the gravitational pull of life to right here, right now, pulls us a thousand different directions away from the most important thing. Do you know him? And here's the answer. If, you, if you, your test day's coming, he's going to ask you, what did you do with my son Jesus? And here's, here's, your, here's the answer. I'm gonna, here's the test question. Here's, here's the answer. I want, to, I want all of us to pass this one. The right answer is I knew him personally. I knew him personally. I mean, yeah, I, I memorized some scripture, and yeah, I went to church. I got baptized. It was awesome. Like, I, I trusted you, Jesus, with my finances. But, God, the most important thing in my life, I'm just thankful you're my best friend. I processed life with you. You spoke to me when no one else would speak to me. I was able to talk to you about things I wasn't able to talk to anybody else about. I just, I, 
The, the day's coming, friends. And the answer is, I knew him personally. And the way you answer that question with confidence then is to know him now. And that's my heart for you. I just hope you know God more than anything else. We can get a lot of stuff right. We can get a lot of stuff wrong. But if we get this one wrong, nothing else matters. So the first question he's going to ask is, what did you do with my son? And we're going to say, man, gee, I, just, I knew him personally. And then the second question he's going to ask, and matter of fact, again, if you, if you don't get the first question right, you're not even going to get the second question. That's important for us to understand. The first question is a heaven or hell issue. The second question is a reward issue. And the second question he's going to ask you, if you get the first questions right, is what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what, what I gave you? And I'm not just talking about money. I mean, there's a place for that. But, but he's given us a whole lot, right? He's going to ask, what did you do with what I gave you? I mean, I gave you arms. Did you use them to hug some people? Did you use them to, to push your arm around a shoulder of someone who's hurting? Did you, you use them to give someone a pat on the back? Good job, you did it. I gave you a smile. Did you use it to brighten someone's day? I gave you time. I gave you ideas. I gave you talents. I gave you abilities, your car, your house, your family, your clothes, your job, your money. How'd you use what I gave you? Did you use what I gave you to make to make a difference. And there's going to be a, the, the first judgment, the, the, judge, the white throne judgment. The second judgment is, is, is called the judgment seat of, of Christ. It talks about it, 2 Corinthians 5.10. It says this, it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of, of Christ. Now, when it talks about a judgment seat, a lot of times we think of like Judge Judy, like swinging this gavel, boom, making this snarky remarks to people that are before her, right? Um, and I think that might be a little bit inaccurate of, of this, this judgment seat of Christ. The, the Greek word there is bima. And the bima was used for a judgment seat. It literally is a, a stairs that comes up to a platform where a judge could sit and render verdicts and, and oversee cases. Bima was also used in Corinth, especially in the, the, the Corinthian games. And it was kind of like the Olympic games. It happened every three years. But whenever athletes would compete, whenever they were rewarded after they ran the race, they would stand on the Bima and then the judge would assess their performance. And it's this idea of rewards. It's, uh, rather than thinking like a courtroom with a, a judge and a gavel, think of it more as a rewards banquet. Where everyone's like, oh, you did so. Chris, yeah, you did good. Yeah, woo. Becky, you did it. Yeah, woo. Like it's this assessment. We must all stand before the beam of the judgment seat of Christ. And each one will receive what is due him for the things done. What did you do with what, what I gave you? And we all know that the heaven isn't a test. You don't get into heaven by like what you do. Like we're saved by grace through faith alone. The only way you get into heaven is because you have a real relationship with Jesus. Now, let me just say this. Heaven will be amazing for everyone, but heaven will not be the same for everyone. Just as hell will be hell for everyone, but hell will not be the same experience for everyone based on what you do right here, right now. It turns out the movie Gladiator was right. What you do today will echo through eternity. Thank you, Marcus Aurelius. Um, but each of us will receive what is due them for things that we have done while in the body, whether good or bad. So what you do right here, right now, while in the body will one day be assessed, will one day be judged, will one day be rewarded. Matthew 16, 27 says this, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward. He's going to reward you. The Greek word there is apodidomai. It literally means I'm going to pay you back. I'm coming and I'm going to pay you back each person according to what they have done. 
Hebrews 11.6 says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. For everyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. So if you want to come to God, you got to believe that he exists, but you also must believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's just the heart of God. He's going to reward you. And and for some of us, we say amen or oh my, like one of the two. Like it's like, this is exciting or this is like, oh crap, like I got to figure some stuff out. Um, Whichever it is, like let it be what it is and let's make some course correction accordingly, right? Um, Something very cool. Last words are important. And the very last words in your Bible, the last words of Jesus to you, to me, if you turn to the very last page in your Bible, Jesus is speaking, Revelation 22, verse 12, and here's what he says. He says, behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me. I don't know about you, but I find humor in the Bible, and I just think it's awesome that Jesus is so eager to reward you. He's not going to wait for you to get to heaven. I'm coming, and matter of fact, I'm bringing the rewards with me. Like right when he sees you, boom, there you go, be rewarded. Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm, behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each and every one according to what he has done. First question, what did you do with my son? The correct answer, just here's the test. Here's the we're prepared for this, the right answer. I knew him personally. If you get that answer right, second question is going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? And here's the correct answer. Just want you to be ready for the test. I used what you gave me to make an eternal difference. I didn't just hoard it. I didn't just enjoy it. No, God, I gave it back to you. And I used it to make a difference for all eternity. Most people have heard of an ROI, a return on investment. And some of you are really good at that. Uh, Some of us, not so much at that. Uh, But but I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but an EROI, an eternal return on investment. And that's what God has for you. Uh, Maybe your portfolio, stock portfolio is looking really strong. And maybe it's not looking real strong. But how's your eternal return on investment looking? My hope and prayer for you every day is that you live with eternity in mind. I, I think about you a whole lot. I pray for you often. And my prayer is, God, help us to be a church that makes a difference for all eternity. God, help us not just to put all our eggs in the basket right here, right now, but to live a life that makes an eternal return on investment. And Jesus actually talks to us a whole lot about this. How do you and I have a eternal return on investment? He says a whole lot. Here's one passage, Matthew 6, 19. says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves can break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I think it's interesting to note. He says this, If you do it for no one, do it for yourself. Like eternity's coming. Our life is short. Store up for yourself. I think God's okay with that. God, I want heaven to be awesome. I want some... Store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. He's talking about how do we have an eternal return on investment. And, and really this whole message is, is one point. And everything that we've talked about up to this point is to lead us to this one point. And this is a, a one-point message. So, so if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Here, here it is. The one thing that I think we all need to focus on, recalibrate to right now, Be intentional. Just be intentional. What are you doing today to be intentional about your eternal return on investment? How are you living today to ensure that you do have an eternal return on investment? Let's be intentional. 
Three areas I want to just talk to you briefly about how, how to be intentional. How do, how do we ensure that, that you, that I, have an eternal return on our investment? Uh, the first one would be this. Intentionally give. Intentionally give. I'm going to intentionally I'm intentionally give. No, I'm just going to give when I have a surplus. I'm going to intentionally give every day. And I'm not just talking about finances, although it's on the list. Like, how, how do we be intentional? Listen, you're not responsible for what you don't have. You're responsible for what you do have. And so some people think, man, whatever I have, if I had the talent of Juan, gosh, I'd serve the church for sure. If I had finances like they have, then I'd be super generous. Well, you're not responsible for what you don't have. You're responsible for what you do have. So the question is, how do I show my purpose? God, what have you given me? What are the gifts and talents you've given me? How do I use them to serve your, your purpose? 2 Corinthians 9.11 says this. It says, you'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on all occasion, and through your generosity, it will result in thanksgiving to God. Here's what I know to be true. Matt sees this all the time. But, but if you were to go to Cambodia and you were to see some, some kids, some women that were rescued out of sex slave trafficking, you know what they're saying? They're not saying, thank you, Central Christian Church. You know what they're saying? Thank you, God, for rescuing me. Thank you, God, for, for delivering me out of that hell that used to be my life. God, thank you for restoration. Thank you for wholeness. It's through your generosity that results in thanksgiving, and not just thanksgiving to you, but thanksgiving to God. It results in eternal return on investment. We've got to be intentional, though. Dave Ramsey says this, if you don't tell your money where to go, you're just going to wonder where it went. <laughs> and we've all experienced that, right? You can be intentional with your money and tell your money where to go, or at the end of the month, be like, what? Uh, where to go? Um, a book, uh, Master Your Money by Ron Blue, interesting. He says five things you can do with your money for all of us, whatever, whether you have $5 or you have $5 billion, all of us can choose to do these five things with them. One, you can spend it. Two, you can repay debt. You can pay taxes. You can save it or you can give it. And if we're honest, most of us do it in this order. But, but Ron Blue says this, this is the next slide here. He says, if we live life from this framework, here's what we're saying, me first, creditor second, government third, and me fourth, and then if there's anything left over, sure, I'll be generous. But the invitation of God is to turn that on this head. Matter of fact, God wants that. He wants to be first. He talks about from cover to cover, talks about a first fruit, whatever you have first, give it to him first and he'll bless the rest. But that requires intentionality. Everybody wants to leave a legacy. Everybody wants to be generous. Everyone wants to have a guy like me stand on a platform like this at your funeral when you're in the casket and say, they were so generous. But the way that we do that is by intentionally doing that today, putting others first. I remember, it's been decades now, but whenever I first started following Jesus, I had someone sit down with me and say, Tim, you're, you, 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 you got everything backwards. Here's the deal. If you put God first in your finances, he'll, he's going to take care of you. And I, it wasn't always easy. I, I didn't have a whole lot of time. At the time, I was making $8 an hour. And when my first job, my first pastor position, full-time pastor position, I, between you, me, and the IRS, I made $20,000. Not much. Full-time. We're just married. Like, it wasn't a whole lot. But we, we applied this to our life, and God helped us. God, God did for us what we could never do on our own. I'm just saying he's faithful. When we apply biblical finances to our life, he helps us. Here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs 11:24 24 says, The world of the generous 
gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy, it gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And we all want that, don't we? We just tells us how. You bless others, you're going to be abundantly blessed. Those who help others, they're going to be helped. Don't we want to be helped? Don't we want God's divine favor? Don't we want our world to get larger and larger? And, and here's the beautiful thing about this. Some of you, you live this. And, and you know it. And I get to see it from the kind of the outside looking in. And, and your world gets larger and larger. And for other people watching your life, they say, well, yeah. If I had what, what he has, if I had the money that she had, I'd be generous too. But they didn't give because they, they had a lot. They just started from this framework, I'm going to be generous. And what happened, their world keeps getting larger and larger and larger because they've been faithful with some things. Now they're entrusted with a lot more things. And I just want this for all of us. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. You want that. I want that for you. But if we're going to do that, we've got to be intentional. 1 Corinthians 16.2, Paul's talking to the churches about taking an offering. There's a special need going on in Jerusalem. It's not talking about weekly giving, but, but a special offering, kind of like a give hope offering. And Paul instructs the church to be intentional. He says, on the first day of each week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, I'm not going to have to show you that sad video. I'm not going to have to play the instrumental music. It's just gonna, we're just going to give an offering. And that's what Give Hope is all about, to make an impact around the globe. But it's got to be, we just got to be intentional about it. And I would say this, if for those of you that have given here at Central Christian Church, you have an eternal return on your investment. Stock markets go up and down, but let me just share some facts about your investment this year. Because of your intentional generosity, 67 people were baptized right here at Central this year. Yeah, that's awesome. Because of last year's Give Hope offering, you provided 196,000 meals to people that are hungry here in San Jose. You helped 14 different people groups in northern Kenya. You provided food and water to 18,500 families, and you planted 82 churches last year just through your Give Hope offering alone. How awesome is that? As we've heard from Matt, you're rescuing. Was it 1,700 women have been, and kids have been rescued out of that that horrific, mind-boggling experience of being sexually trafficked? Are you kidding me? That's your generosity at work. You have an eternal return on your investment. Hundreds of churches have been planted in Africa. Literally thousands of people will be in heaven and not hell because of your giving this year. You're helping orphans in India, and we could go on and on and on and on about your eternal return on investment because of your intentional generosity. I don't know about you, but I think that's awesome. And here's the deal. Some of you are going to be rewarded for that. Some of you don't just get to experience the miracle, you participate in the miracle. And I would just love for all of us to have that credit to our account. And it's not about what you have, it's about what you do with what he's given you. So let's give intentionally. Second thing, we're going to intentionally serve. We got to be intentional when it comes to serving. It's not just going to happen by default. Uh, Paul is writing to his young apprentice, Timothy, and he says this, 1 Timothy 6.18. He says, tell those, uh, tell them to use their money to do good, that they should be rich, not just using the money, but they should be rich in good works, like using their time, their service, and, and, should, be, uh, and should give happily to those in need, always ready to, to share with others whatever God has given them. Uh, check this out. By doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. Intentionally serve. 
Uh, yesterday, we had uh, Laura Yost's memorial here at Central. And if you know Laura, you know she's a quiet, sweet, sweet lady. Uh, doesn't say a whole lot, but is faithful, so faithful. I just love, love Laura. She, for, check this out, y'all. For 37 years, 37 years, <laughs> she served in the nursery yeah. in kids' area. 37 years. Like, some of you aren't even 37 years old. Not many people have done one thing consistently for 37 years at a time. She's, for 37 years, been rocking babies. 37 years praying over every kid every Sunday. Graciela shared yesterday her, her son, about my age, so she, he still remembers Laura Yost placing her hands on his head and on his feet and just whispering to Jesus. Think of the generations she's impacted. Think of the families that she's served, including yours, including mine. How that happened? Well, it wasn't by default. She intentionally made up her mind to serve, intentionally served. When I went and visited uh, Laura and Jim, her husband, who passed away this year as well, uh, he was in ICU, not doing real good. Like it was just inevitable. Like his time was coming to an end here on earth and he was about to inherit his eternal reward. And as I was praying with Laura and the family and praying over, 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 um, over Jerry. Um, yeah, I said, Jim, he's still alive and well and serving in, um, in Indonesia. Uh, but Jerry, you know, I was praying for them, and, and Laura looked at me, and she said, Pastor Tim, I hope it's okay. I'm not going to be able to be there on Sunday to serve in the nursery. Can you let them know? I'm like, yeah, Laura, I think we'll figure it out. Like, <laughs> your husband's priority right now. But, but I say that to say this. It was intentional. It wasn't just like, well, I got a free weekend. I think I can serve. No, she made up her mind. I'm going to intentionally serve. And now she receives her reward. What about you? Could be rocking babies, could be on the worship team, could be, I mean, we've got a blood drive coming up November 30th. I mean, one, one donation of blood could save three people's lives. I mean, who knows? You get to heaven, you say, I'm here because you gave some blood. I mean, it could be big things, could be small things, but consistency over time. All I'm saying is we've got to be intentional, intentional, intentionally give, intentionally serve. Third, intentionally share Christ. This is the last point. Um, we've got one more fill in the blank for you, though. But intentionally serve Christ. Uh, we have to be intentional. Here's why. Here's, here's why we have to be intentional. Because the gravitational pull of life, my life and yours, is towards selfishness. What I want, when I want, how I want. Not only is a gravitational pull of life towards selfishness, you got a very real enemy that the last thing he wants you to do is going around talking about Jesus and sharing Jesus with people. But we got to be intentional. One thing we talk about around here at Central is having a one friend focus. We talk about having a one friend focus just to help us narrow our focus to be intentional. Talk about who's one person that you're praying for every day, one person you interact with on a weekly basis that you can, you can bless, you can speak blessing over their life, you can find ways to help them, you can intentionally pray for them, and you can intentionally just share what Jesus is doing in your life with them. You don't have to have all the answers, you don't have to be an apologist, you don't have to read every book or know all the answers. I don't know, I don't know all the answers, but I'm just, let me just tell you what he did for me. I know where I was and I know where he's brought me. I know how gracious he's been. I know how empty I was. I know how shame-filled I was. I know, I know how desperate I was looking for answers. 
And I'm just telling you, all those found fulfillment in him. And he can do the same for you. How are you going to intentionally share Jesus? Who are you intentionally sharing Jesus with? There's this, uh, I don't know, any Charlie Brown fans in the house? Charlie Brown Thanksgiving is happening this week. You guys, oh, we don't want to show that just yet. This is Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown Christmas. Charlie Brown's awesome. All right. So, so Lucy um, goes to Charlie Brown and she said, hey, Charlie Brown, I got big plans. And Charlie Brown says, yeah, right. What is it, Lucy? She's got, I'm going to change the world. Charlie Brown says, how are you going to change the world? She goes, well, here's what I'm going to do. It's going to be the no more hunger, no more, no more, no more wars. There's going to be peace. Everyone's going to get along. Political parties going to come together. Charlie Brown's like, Lucy, you're crazy. How are you going to do that? And here's what, here's what Lucy says. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to start with you, Charlie Brown. Who are you going to start with? Lucy's going to start with Charlie Brown. Who's one person? Doesn't know God. Doesn't know the freedom you've experienced. Doesn't know their purpose. Not making a difference for eternity but God's placed them in your life so you can live on mission and help them find and follow Jesus. James 5, 19 through 20 says this, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away, they get lost. They, they, maybe they were on the right track, now they're not. They wander away from the truth and is brought back. You can be sure of this. Whoever, and here's my invitation, why don't you put your name here? Whenever Melissa brings them back, whenever Dennis brings them back, when Mike brings them back, when you bring them back, whoever brings them back, whoever brings a sinner back from the, 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 from, from the air of his way will save them from death and will bring about the forgiveness of not just some, all, many, many sins. How are you going to do that? We're well, going to pray for them daily. When you're around them, you're going to speak life over them. We're going to bless them. You're going to look for ways to practically help them. And as opportunity presents itself, you're going to say, here's what God's done for me. The kingdom of God has come near. As a matter of fact, we're, we're stacking the deck, intentionally so, in December. So we got like ugly sweater Sunday and like people painting their faces and different stuff happening. We got a kids program on the 10th. We got flannel and flapjacks happening on the 17th. We got, you know, candlelit service on Christmas Eve, all for this one reason. Some people have wandered away. You say, why do you do that stuff? We're just trying to bring some people back. We're trying to partner with you so you can tell your one friend, I know you're not really into church, but the kids can get pictures taken with Santa. I know you don't really like church, but hey, my kid is performing and like leverage the young ones, you know? Hey, that's what I'm doing. And it works. It works. And all heaven celebrates. You want to move the heart of God? Do that. Have you ever lost someone? I, I tell the story. If you ever lost someone, like have you ever lost your keys? Anybody lose your keys? Yeah. If you lose your keys, how many are like, well, I lost my keys, can't start the car, but praise God, I got a couch. You know, like, no. Your mind's consumed with what's lost. I have to find my keys. Whenever we were traveling uh, for Christmas a few years ago, our little girl, she was two years old and we were living in Las Vegas. We're traveling with family. So there's like a horde of us there. 
And um, Tiffany takes Elsie to the restroom. I take the boys to the restroom. We both meet back where we left. And I was like, hey, Tiff, where's Elsie? She goes, I don't know. I thought you had her. I'm like, well, I thought you had her. And we go down line, Cannon, where's Elsie? Drake, where's Elsie? Turns out Elsie's missing in the Las Vegas airport where they have signs on the back of the stalls. If you're not safe, if you're in trafficking, call this number. And so my mind goes to the worst. My daughter's missing. And I freak out. I'm like, you got to help me. I'm going to people. Hey, she's about this size. She's got these curls. She's wearing this. Can you help me? My daughter's missing. My daughter's missing. Can somebody help me? Nothing else matters in that moment. My boys could come up and say, Dad, could we have hot chocolate? Not a bad question, bad timing. Like, like if, if everyone's here, we're good. But when someone's missing, it's a big deal. And I didn't throw my hands up and say, well, at least I got two boys. I mean, hey, two out of three ain't bad, y'all. You know, no. Missing. And I'm just telling you the heart of the father is this. My kids are missing. They've, they've wandered away. And I've called you. I've placed you. You see them on a daily basis. And I'm just asking you to point them back to the heart of the Father. And that's what missions is all about. Luke 15, 10 says, you can count on it. All of heaven erupts in celebration. They throw a party, like in the presence of God, in the presence of the angels, they throw a party every time. You talk about joy. When I saw my little girl's face, I didn't care where she was. I didn't care if she stole a puppy. I, you're home. Yes. Same is true of your heavenly father. But we got to be intentional. We intentionally give. We, we have strategic missions partners like AIM, doing good work. So together we pool our resources and make a greater kingdom impact. Intentionally give. Intentionally serve. Intentionally share Jesus. Famous missionary Jim Elliott says this, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Here's your last fill in the blank, and I hope, I hope you take this to heart. I'll never miss what I invest in eternity. I'll never miss it. I'll never regret it. You might regret that Black Friday impulse buy. You might regret spending $10,000 on coffee and cheeseburgers. You might regret loaning that money to your brother-in-law. But listen, you'll never regret, you'll never regret what you invest in eternity. Father, I thank you so much for your love.